Rosh Hashanah, Daflamid Gimel. We're starting on 32b at the bottom with the Mishnah. And tonight we're going to see all the laws about blowing the uh, blowing the shofar, uh, including the source for the the all the kolot that we do, the shivarim and teruah, exactly how long they are. So really re- very relevant, very important material. So Mishnah begins: Shofar shel Rosh Hashanah and ma'avirin alav et hatechum ve'en mefakechin alav et hagal. If you need to get a shofar, you don't have it with you. You forgot it somewhere outside the city. You're not allowed to go uh, outside the boundary of the city to uh, retrieve the shofar. You can walk there and blow it there, but you can't bring it to the Beit Knesset inside the synagogue. So even though shofar is an important mitzvah, you're not allowed to violate Techum Shabbat. What is Techum Shabbat? Going outside 2000 Amot, according to most Rishonim, Mr. Rabbanan, according to most Tanaim, Mr. Rabbanan, according to the Biakiva, it's Deoraita. Now, if a, a building fell on the shofar and you want to move, move the rubble in order to get the, to retrieve the shofar and you're doing all this on Rosh Hashanah, not allowed. Moving rubble would be a problem of mukseh, which is uh, technically a dirabanan, but it's a, a very strong dirabanan. In some sources, it's considered kind of like it's a even it's even a deoraita. Uh, furthermore, lo'alin be'ilan, if the shofar is on top of a tree, you're not allowed to climb the tree to get to get it. And you can't ride an animal if it's uh, you know far away, or and you have to go and ride the animal to get it, to get it faster, or to climb an animal to reach it. Not allowed. You're not allowed to to. They translate swim, but which technically means to float on water. But I guess if you're floating and you're not going anywhere, so you'd have to be swimming too. So you're not allowed to swim in order to retrieve the shofar from the other side of uh, of, of the lake. We're also not allowed to cut it. Cutting can have two meanings. One is cutting it off of the animal. And uh, that uh, the other one is cutting it to size. Uh, it's already cut off the animal, but you're, you're, you're making it the right shape. Uh, so that's also not allowed to do on Rosh Hashanah. Whether you do it, whether you do it in the way that is shavut, just not restful, or whether you do it as a lota ase, and then Gemara will explain how one can do this cutting using, depending on what tool you use, whether it be a shavut or a lota ase. But the only thing that you can do to help improve the shofar, assuming you have the shofar in your hands, is you can put water or wine in it and you swish it around, and that clears. It out and makes the sound better. In that case, um, it's usable before you do that. So, what you're not actually changing it like a mitaken kili or anything like that. Okay, so this this uh, set of items is very interesting. The ones in the middle from the one about climbing the tree and riding an animal and and um, uh, uh, swimming. These were all mentioned already back in Masechet Besad. The uh, is the category of shivut. And uh, what we mentioned there is that if you look at Tanaitic sources, Tanaitic Midrash, um, these are considered the Oraita. 
you don't one, one does not receive a punishment for them, but nevertheless, they bring proofs for them from the Torah, and therefore they are Asumidoraita because although it's not one of the 39 Malachot, it's not restful activity. So the categorization of all of these things is going to be very important uh, because uh, question, you know, are some of them are seem to be more dirabanan, some of them are the shivut category that's like a like a or is it daraita? And if you think it means cutting it off of the actual animal, that would be a, a, a total lotase. Um, okay, so all these cat, no matter what the category, that's interesting because um, it's, it's surprising that you can't even violate a drabanan in order to blow shofar. Right, one might have thought that a lotase from the Torah would um, permit one to 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 do something so that they could uh, f- f- violate a drabanan in order to do the So this Mishnah says no. You have to have the Mishnah ready there. Question. Yeah, the, the, the riding on the donkey, that's definitely the oraita, right? Because you're, you're mitzayer, the animal, right? Uh, that's a great question. That Yudushalmi does consider it a doraita and quotes from the Ten Commandments. You have to let your animals rest. So riding an animal would not be allowing it to rest. However, the Talmud Bavli doesn't say that. It says that, um, you know, riding, if you, if you load an animal, that would be the oraita. If you ride an animal, you have a concept of that you, you're allowed to carry another person because a person kind of carries himself, uh, like dead weight is much heavier than live weight. And so therefore, according to the Bavli, the only reason you can't ride an animal is because you may, while you're riding, you may come to pull a branch of a tree to hit the animal to make it go faster. So it's only a gezera, right? But your, your inclination is correct. And uh, it does seem that the original law is that it is, it's a, it's a doraita. And so since this is Mishnah, in 10 Eric sources, probably is considered a doraita of some level. All right, we'll see if the Gemara is going to talk about it more. If a child would like to try out the shofar, we do not prevent him from doing so. He can pick up the shofar and try it out know so that they can learn and in fact not only do we not prevent them we even involve ourselves with them and uh, we'll show them how to do it show them how to hold it so that he can learn so that's permitted if a person uh, an adult is just playing around with the shofar he's not really blowing it he's not playing it properly but just making uh, random sounds he does not fulfill his mitzvah and similarly someone who listen hears from someone who is playing around with it, lo yasa, and we'll define. We'll de- we'll define also. Does that mean he does? He's he's playing it well, but he doesn't have intention for the mitzvah, or just not intending to make a, a good sound at all? That will all be in the in the Talmud. All right. Now, my ta'ama shofar asehu. What is the reason that? All these things are prohibited. If I don't have the shofar, why can't I violate these things? Uh, shofar is one misvat aseh. Yom tov aseh velot aseh. But uh, observing yom tov is both an aseh to, be, to celebrate yom tov by not doing melacha and also a lot aseh, don't do melacha. And so therefore yom tov is his double as more important than the misvah blowing shofar. And aseh doche et lot aseh va'aseh. One aseh cannot... A uh, one positive command cannot override a negative and a positive commandment. Okay, all that would make sense if, in fact, we're dealing with uh, a command, a a, a, a melacha, full you know, a full fledged melacha um, that you that you're not doing. That's why Yom Tov was was trump would would trump it. If it's only the rabbanan, then this doesn't answer that. 
Okay, so we're going to get to that. Lolin bilan v'loch bina gabe behema. Hashdad rabanan amat la deoraita mi ba'ya. So this question is about the structure of the of the Mishnah. Uh, if you're not allowed to violate a dirabanan to to retrieve the shofar, then for sure deoraita. You don't even have to say it. So um, you see, it, it, it's quoting. It, it's not clear. The commentaries wonder which of these is the is does the Gemara consider the rabanan and which deoraita. If it considers, this is the Bavli, after all, so it makes sense, is considering these middle ones to be the Rabbanan, maybe the one that's considering the Oraita is the one that's cutting it off of the, uh, of the animal. That would be the Oraita. And so, if so, if you, if you told me I'm not allowed to violate the Rabbanan to retrieve the Shofar, for sure I'm not allowed to, be, to violate the Oraita. Do I even have to say that? And the answer is, we're using a zov and sarich lomar katane. We're using a structure that says, you're not allowed to do this, and I don't need to bother telling you the next one. All right, that's for sure. So sometimes the Mishnah employs that, um, that structure, like here, and, but you're right, you really, once you know the first one, the second one is obvious. Now we're going to define what, the, what, these, what these categories are. In what way can you cut a shofar and it only be a shavut? In the Bavli, shavut means derabanan. In Tenetic sources, it means a lower level deoraita. And so in what cases is cutting it off a shavut? And in what cases would be cutting it off would be a full lotase? Mishim shavut magla. If one cuts the shofar using a sickle, right, a sickle, this, this rounded one that's usually used for, for um, reaping grain, that's an unusual tool to use to cut a, a shofar. And therefore, that would be only mishum shivut, right? Lesser, only dirabanan. Anything that any melachah you do in an unusual way is going to be dirabanan. Whereas if one uses a, an actual, a regular knife, that would be prohibited midde oraita. So that's the two categories. And then we ask the same question. If I'm not allowed to uh, violate a shavut, a drabanan, to, to cut the shofar, and for sure I'm not allowed to use a knife. So why you have to even bother telling me in this one phrase? The answer is, Yes, this is not allowed, and therefore, obviously, I don't even have to tell you that using a knife is not allowed. And so even within this one sentence, as well as within the entire Mishnah, it's using the same structure, and it seems to be going maybe from the most lenient thing that you might think is permitted to the one that is for sure no good, because that's a more stringent melacha, and so it's going through the whole list. Although we never explained really why, if something was only in Bidrabanan, then uh, you know why can't you um, why can't you violate it to get the to get the shofar? So I mean that's still an interesting question. I mean I guess the idea is the rabbis wanted you to make sure that you have the shofar already beforehand, so you won't won't have to come to that. Uh, although in all these cases um, we have another principle, uh, you, can't, you can't you I mean the, the basic answer is you can't just violate a drabanan. Even, even though it's only midra banan, you still can't violate it, even if it's a, even for a good reason. Uh, but there is another principle that shivut dishvut bimkom mitzvah is permitted. So if uh, one were to ask a nanju to go uh, outside the city and retrieve the, the shofar or to, you know, um, uh, or to uh, cut it or any of these things that are only midra banan, and then that would be permitted because that's a double shavut uh, in the case of a mitzvah. 
אבל אם רצה ליתן לתוכו מים או יין, ייתן. מים או יין, אין מרגליים לנו. משנה סדד, you can put water or wine into the shofar, you put it through and shake it around, and then it makes it sound good. That is permitted, because you're not, there's nothing prohibited about it. You're not doing anything. You're not fixing or completing the shofar. However, what's not allowed is מרגליים, water of legs. That's a nice way that in Hebrew we say urine. There's no, you know, Lashon HaKodesh, everything is said in a nice way. Okay, water of legs. Um, that, no, you can't use that. Matnitin maneh, Abba Shaul hi, who is the author of this Mishnah? Must be Abba Shaul de Tanya, Abba Shaul Omer, Maim o yain mutar kedeh lesachsecho. He says you're allowed to put uh, wine, water or wine, in order to... Um, make it clear, make the sound of the Shabbat clear. However, urine is not allowed because it's not respectful, not respectful to the Shofar using it for mitzvah, um, similarly to uh, the ketoret, uh, right? If you would put uh, um, it would sound, it would smell even better, but it's not nice because of the, because it's not respectful. And so what, this is the same thing here. Uh, why would one think that would be a good idea? We um, have to remember that uh, urine was was used as a detergent, uh, as a cleaning agent uh, back then. Uh, I guess because of its its acidic, so it could uh, remove uh, impurities. So this, since it was used, it was it would it would be uh, helped to clean. But nevertheless, not for shofar. It's not nice. And next. And Makivinet Hatinokot Militko Mishnah said that we do not stop children. From playing around with the shofar and trying to blow it, Hanashim Me'akevan. This is going to be a very important source for the status of women regarding misvot ase. So, since it only mentions that you don't prevent children from blowing, that means that it doesn't say anything about women. So that means that women actually, if they try to blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah, then we should stop them. Uh, why would what, what's what will be wrong with it? Well, if they're not fulfilling a mitzvah, since they're patur from the mitzvah, then by blowing it, they number one might be violating baltosif, somebody shouldn't even say, and or they are playing an instrument uh, on Shabbat and not playing an instrument is not allowed, uh, either because of the gezera that you may come to fix it or because we saw before it's a skill, it's a chokhmah. And so generally on uh, just any Yom Tov or Shabbat, one is not allowed to. And so therefore they're going to run into problems, um, right? So this is nothing to do with other things like a woman wants to sit in a sukkah. Of course that's permitted because no, it doesn't, even if she's petura, it does not contradict anything. She's not, not potentially violating anything, anything. But by blowing shofar, it may potentially violate something. Okay, what about the children? Children are also patur. So how come they can blow it? Well, the difference is that they have to learn because one day when they grow up, and will be men, then they will be uh, uh, obligated to. So therefore, even as children, they can practice. Question? Yeah, I'm actually just curious about the, the, the mitzvah of shofar, because at one point we said you can actually blow shofar different times during the day if you couldn't make it, right? So then how is that a mitzvah taseh shehazman germa? Oh, yeah. Well, still all, only, only applicable during the day. Right, so you can blow it any time during the day. That's true, but not at night. And there's no the mitzvah is not um, Rosh Hashanah night. It's not the next day. It's not on a. It's not on Pesach. Okay. So yeah. Okay. okay. Thank you. Oh, good. Hold on. We have another brayta that says we do not prevent 
woman and not children from blowing shofar. According to this, women and children can blow the shofar um, if they want to. We don't stop them. So this contradicts our Mishnah. Abay explains that in fact they're following two different Tanaim, two different opinions. Um, and uh, the Mishnah is the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, uh, as we're going to see uh, more elaborated, who says that women should cannot uh, perform mitzvot on Yom Tov, that if it may come, if it may be part of a violation. And Rabbi Yosef and Rabbi Shimon say that they do, they, that a woman who does a mitzvot, although she's not obligated, does, um, does perform a mitzvah. And therefore, they, they can do it. Um, even in the face of Yom Tov. So there's a fundamental machloket, and the source of this machloket is from another um, uh, another case. In the cases of Semicha, Semicha means placing your hands upon an animal sacrifice before it's sacrificed. And so you would, you know, and you would uh, uh, say something, this is my sacrifice for uh, my Thanksgiving or a vidui. And so it, it's uh, one must do that uh, for, for sacrifices. Now the Pasuk says, B'nai Israel, and this uh, according to the Biuda, that means only men and women do not have to do semicha. Now, if it's during the week, so it doesn't matter if you want to do semicha, you feel like putting your hands on an animal, you could go ahead, do it all day long. There's no problem. Uh, however, the problem is on Yom Tov by placing your hands and not only hands, you would put your weight on the animal, then you're causing the animal to bear a burden. So if it's a necessary part of the uh, of the of the ritual, and uh, and so and then for men it is, and they have to do it. Um, if you remember, this was a machlok at Bet and Bet Shammai, whether it's necessary or not. But assuming it is, so then men can do it, um, and that's what Rabbi Yehuda says. But women who do not have to do it would not be able to do it on Yom Tov. However, Rabbi Shimon say. No, it's okay. Women can play, can, can if they want to, they can place their, their they can do semicha, even though uh, they don't have to. If they choose to, it's considered a mitzvah, and therefore they may do it. And so that would be the same thing here, according to the Mishnah that says um, uh, children can practice shofar on, your, on, on Rosh Hashanah, but women cannot, because according to him, there is no mitzvah. So now you're doing you're doing nothing, or even worse, you may may violate uh, baltosif, adding something that you don't have to do, or playing an instrument that's not allowed. Going to be Yosef Shimon, even though they don't have to, if they want to, they can, and if they do, it's a mitzvah. And so therefore, since it is a mitzvah, it's no problem baltosif, it's no problem of playing an instrument on Rosh Hashanah because it's to, it's totally it's a it's a positive thing. They don't have to, but if they do, then it's okay. Okay, this is really fundamental, and uh, uh, the halacha. Rambam follows Rabbi Yehuda, uh, more restrictive. Tosafot follows Rabbi Yosef and Rabbi Shimon that say it is a mitzvah. And so this is a source of a machloket until today that uh, Ashkenazim are more lenient regarding women um, doing, doing mitzvot and saying berachot on berkot mitzvah. And Rambam is more restrictive. Uh, so this is an important source. All right. Bin Azad adds an important chidush to the Mishnah that you can help out the children and encourage them to blow the shofar not on, on Rosh Hashanah. Not only if Rosh Hashanah falls out on Tuesday, even if it falls out, even if it's on, even if on a Shabbat. 
if they want to practice. Now, is it talking about Shabbat of Rosh Hashanah when most of us are not, uh, you know, except in Yavne, we are not blowing Shofar and nevertheless they can. Uh, that's one way of interpreting it. Another Ambam interprets it the opposite, that on a regular Shabbat all year long, kids can practice the Shofar, but not on Shabbat, that's Rosh Hashanah, because someone then might hear it and say, oh, look, see, uh, they, they can blow it. So I guess it's allowed to blow. So in fact, the opposite. Um, okay, but the point is that since it's not a full-fledged melacha, it's not even really an instrument, it's, a, uh, it's just a chokhmah, uh, so we don't do it, but if they, but kids, kids, you don't have to stop them. Tanya nami, and maybe even encourage them. You can even uh, uh, tell them to do it. Tanya nami hachi, and we have a beraita that agrees with this. Mit asikin behen achil medu afilu b'shabbat. Right, we occupy ourselves with them and uh, and show them how to do it, even on Shabbat to blow Shabbat. And we do not stop the children from blowing uh, on on Shabbat. And for sure not on Yom Tov. Okay, good. Now, Hagufa Kashya, there, there seems to be an internal contradiction within this Braita. Amat mit askin behen shabbat First you say, you should uh, encourage them and work with them on Shabbat to, so that they know how to blow. That means you should go and, you know, you have, uh, you have some free time on Shabbat. And so help them learn how to blow shofar. It's a good thing to do. But then it says, don't stop them. That language of don't stop them sounds like it's they shouldn't do it. You just don't stop them. So which one is it? We encourage them or we just don't stop them. It depends what age they are. If they're at the age that they already can be trained, they understand what a mitzvah, what, what a mitzvah is and what shofar is means, and they could you know, really do it. In that case, you should encourage them so that they'll really learn how to do it. If they're very young and they don't really know what they're doing, they'll say, oh, this looks like a fun toy. And then you don't have to stop them, but there's no need to encourage them because they're not really learning anything anyway. Good. Um, someone who's just playing around with the shofar and does not fulfill his obligation, even if he somehow manages to uh, eke out uh, the proper sounds. But that means that someone who is blowing the shofar to to uh, and uh, uh, playing it as an instrument, right? He's playing Happy Birthday, and in the in the meantime, he plays. He plays the proper tikiyah and tiruah. That's okay, even if he doesn't have in mind to fulfill the mitzvah. In this, according to that reading, that would support Ava, who said a while ago that someone who blows the shofar just as an instrument without having in mind that is he's fulfilling a mitzvah, it's okay, because he said that you do not have to have, have intention that you're fulfilling a mitzvah. So is that a good, um, is that a proper, is this a good proof for Dava? We say not necessarily. No, maybe when it says mitasek, just playing around with it, that includes actually playing it. Uh, the point is that he's mitasek, he's playing it um, uh, even as an instrument, but not for a mitzvah. Uh, that's, that's the difference. And if you read it that way, it would not be a proof for Dava. Someone who hears someone else playing around with the shofar, he does not fulfill a mitzvah either. Now, okay, fine, but what if you overhear someone who is in fact 
playing the shofar for a mitzvah for himself, right? He's blowing it for himself, and and uh, you overhear it. He doesn't know you're there, and he doesn't have you in mind. Is that what about that? My yasa. It sounds like it would be okay, since the Mishnah only said that if I hear someone uh, fooling around with the with the shofar, I don't fulfill my, my mitzvah. So that means if I hear someone who's actually blowing it properly for himself, then it would be okay. Well, that would contradict that story we saw a couple of dapim ago that a bizera told his servant, blow shofar for me and have me in mind. And according to that, you have to have someone in mind if you're blowing for them. But according to this implication we just said, you don't have to have a person in mind when you're blowing for them. So what do we do with that contradiction? Dilma, ID, datana no, maybe the only reason why it said here, the case of mitasek, uh, someone who's just playing around with it, is because that's what the Mishnah was talking about before. So it continues with the same case. Uh, that's why it says, if you hear from someone playing around, lo yasa. But the truth is, if you heard from someone who was actually blowing it, also be also to be the same law, lo yasa. You have to have, the other person actually have to have you in mind totally. All right, and now we get to the next Mishnah, very important and famous Mishnah about the length of uh, time and how many times we have to blow. Okay, we have to we blow three times, three sets, and each set has three sounds in it for a total of nine. This is not three times three times three. This is saying three of three each. How do you say three each? Shalosh, shalosh. Uh, I'll show you here. What the Mishnah is saying is that we should blow um, in, during the Musaf, after Malchuyot, we'll blow three. The three are a sandwich. Tiki'ah, a long one. Tidu'ah, a short broken sound. Tiki'ah, a long unbroken sound. So that's the sandwich. That's three. And you do that three times because you do the same thing for Zichronot and the same thing for Shofarot. That's it. Okay, according to the Mishnah, from the, the letter of the law, you only have to hear the shofar uh, these three times, nine sounds altogether. That's it. Now, nowadays, uh, some communities do, um, do 70, some do 100. So how do we get from 10 to 100 is a good question. And there, we're going to see um, a lot of that today. So let me just uh, introduce it now uh, to explain it. So since technically we only have to do these three, the long, long, short, long, uh, however, this tiru'ah, how do you define a tiru'ah? We're going to see this, two opinions in today's daf. And tiru'ah, is it some? Is, is it crying? Is it like a um, long cry, uh, like a whine? That would be called a shivarim. Uh, I misspelled shivarim. Uh, where, uh, or is it like a sobbing sound, like the mother of Sisera, uh, you know, who's uh, sobbing uh, in the short way? Uh, <laughs> Like that. So then it will be lots of short sounds. So since the, it can be defined uh, either way, and we want to fulfill all the opinions, so therefore we do it three ways. We do it with the shivarim, with the tiru'ah, and shivarim and tiru'ah together. So that's why we multiply by three. So from al we're going to do it in each of the three possibilities to fulfill all the obligation, all the opinions. Not only that, we get all the all the opinions. Also, because sometimes we we feel like uh, we feel like a, a moaning uh, uh, in that mood, and sometimes we feel like uh, crying in a short way. And so this includes all the different moods, or maybe a combination of them. So now that we do that for malchiot and zichronot and shofarot, 
So now that's that instead of nine, so each one of them, each one becomes instead of three becomes 10 and 10, 10 and 10, that's 30. So there you go. So we go from nine to 30. And now we double this uh, for those um, communities who blow the blow the shofar also during the silent Amida, uh, which Middle Eastern and Nusachsfar do, although Spanish Portuguese don't. Um, so based on Kabbalah is to blow this also during the silent Amidah. So in silent Amidah and Chazada, you're doing 30 and 30. That you get, that's how you get 60. Now, besides this, we also do uh, blow while we're sitting down right after the Bracha uh, of Shofar. And in that case, we also do 30. Not in this order. In that case, we do Tashrat, right? The Tiki'ah, Shavarim, Tiro'ah, Tiki'ah. We do Tashrat three times. This tashat three times and then tarat three uh, uh, three times, but this point is still thirty. So then now that's we go up to ninety, and then to round it off to one hundred, uh, we say another another ten at the end of the tefillah during um, the kaddish. Okay, that's how we get from the mishnah to from mishnah's nine to one hundred. Um, but we'll see we'll see some of this inside now. Uh, so how long is the long the tikiah? It's the same as three teruot. So, uh, which sounds like a saying Thomas Shevarim da 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 is uh, equal to one long one. Um, and the time it takes to do one teruah, you could also understand this as one of those short segments. Mishnah doesn't use the word shevarim, but if, if we use it, so one of those is three yevavot. So, so uh, since they even count in seconds, so if you want to know how long it is, uh, yevava is a short. <laughs> and uh, so if you take three of those, you get one teduah, take three teduah, and you get one tekiah. Okay, that's one way of understanding this, although the Gemara will see a different way. And if you blew the tikiah in the beginning, and then the tiduah, and then the, the second tikiah, you blew twice as long. In other words, you're blowing tikiah, tiduah, and then tikiah, you do twice as long to cover the next tikiah. You know, since they're both tikiot, I just want instead of stopping, just go one right into the other. No, it doesn't count. Uh, you have to make a break, stop, and then start again with the tikiah. Someone said the beracha um, on blowing shofar, and then I guess he realized he didn't have a shofar. He looked in his uh, bag. It's like, oh, there's no shofar there. And eventually he does find the shofar. So in order for it not to be a beracha lebatala, so he should do the minimum amount, which is three times the nine sounds. That's You see, that's the minimum. Now, this, this is the very last Mishnah in the entire Masechet, and it's no longer about Shofar, but rather about praying Amida. And this is true not only for Musaf of Rosh Hashanah, but all year round is this Machloket. Just like a Shalech Sibur has to say the Amida, so to every individual who knows how has to say the Amida. And this is Tanakama. That would explain why we have a silent Amida in which everyone says their own. And uh, because, you know, uh, for those who can, we only say the Chazara for those who don't know how to pray. So then they will listen to the Shaliyah Sibur. However, Rabban Gamliel says, no, 
uh, it's not an individual obligation. Individuals do not have to say an Amidah. Uh, they rather only the Chazan says Amidah and everybody answers Amen and that's it. It's a communal prayer. Um, okay, according to Rabban Gamaliel, why would you uh, need to say the silent Amidah? He says only so that the, the Chazan has time to prepare uh, his, 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 the, to prepare the prayers so you give him a break. Okay, um, good. So uh, that's a fundamental machloket also. All right, so now we're going to go back to the beginning of the timing of each of the sounds of the shofar. We have a baraita that says that a tiki'ah is the same as the, sound, as the time of a tiru'ah. We said here that a tiki'ah is three tiru'ot, and here it says a tiki'ah is equal to one tiru'ah. How can you explain this difference? Amar these words are difficult to explain, and so there's a lot of different explanations. Um, basically, he's saying our Tanah, the Mishnah, is uh, counting the Tikiah of all three sets and the Tiruot of all three sets. Meaning, one explanation of this is if you take all the Tikiot and Tiruot of all three sets. What do you have all together? Three Tiruot and six Tikiot. And so, and that is, and that is equal. Right? When he says uh, that the Tikiot is equal to three Tiruot, he means all the Tikiot are equal to all three Tiruot. And if so, that means that one Tikiot is half as long as a Tiruot. Uh, this is five seconds, it would be 10 seconds, and then back to five seconds. And so that would explain that. Whereas Tanabara, uh, the Tanav the Braita, that says they're equal, according to that, they would be, well, you could also understand this in two ways. He's only talking about one. So he's saying maybe in one set, the Tiru'ah is equal to two Tikiot, which would be the same. Then he's agreeing with the Mishnah, just saying in a different way, that one Tiru'ah is equal to two Tikiot. Or maybe he's saying one Tikiot is, is equal to one Tiru'ah, and they're the same amount of time. Okay, that is interesting because it's gonna, we're going to follow up with that in the next line. The next line says, A one Tiru'ah is three whimper sounds. Is that true? But there's another Braita that says one tiru'ah, one broken sound, is equal to three of the shivarim, of the broken broken sounds. Uh, so now that, that would mean uh, that's a different amount. So which one is it? Like three yevavot or like three shivarim? So Abaye says, even if you try to reconcile the Mishnah and the Braita over here, there's no way you can reconcile it over here. For sure, they are arguing with each other. Dichtiv. See, from this line, it sounds like beforehand, he was kind of trying to fit them together, but he, and he knew, he knew that you could, you could try to force it, but it's not going to work. So, because over here, it definitely doesn't work. So, um, therefore, we can go back to the previous one and show that they're not agreeing with each other. One says it's a half as long, and one says it's equal. And that would make sense with the following line. When it talks about Rosh Hashanah and says this will be a, a day of, of, of uh, blowing uh, a, a sound, a sound of the shofar, the Targum says a day of Yevava. Now, what is a yebaba? Uchtiv is some kind of cry. Uchtiv be'medes Yisra ba'adachalon nishkefa ve'adatiyabeb em Sisra. When the mother of Sisra uh, 
he was killed in battle, but his mother didn't know that yet. And she's waiting at the, at the window and she is crying. She's wailing. So what does that mean? What way she was she wailing? What did it sound like? One says it was um, uh, it was a, a moaning, broken sighs, like, oh, 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 where's my son? So that would be what we call the shivarim, a longer. And others say that she was uh, whimpering, like, <laughs> uh, short sounds. And so that would be what we call teruah. And so this is the source. It's very fascinating that we learn the sound of the shofar from this, you know, evil sisera and her mother, who's also evil, because she's like, oh, I know where he is. He's getting spoils. He's taking, uh, he's taking the woman. He must have a lot of them. And uh, okay, but that's a, a good, a good, uh, a, a, a good uh, topic for a Rosh Hashanah de Rasha, the connection with Sisera. In any case, because uh, so we have two different opinions here. So if you say it's talking about the um, like three shivarim, then you can see why the tiruah would be twice as long as the tikiah which is what that Baraita said before. On the other hand, if you say it's like short, like little short cries, in that case, it would make sense to say that the Tiki'ah is equal to the Tiru'ah, which is what the Mishnah sounded like. Um, okay, but so uh, uh, this is complicated because the, the word Tiru'ah is used in different meanings uh, in each of the, uh, in, in different places. And so it's not clear if it's the equal sound or not. Is that we want the, um, that you want everything to be of equal length. So for example, the Tiki'ah, if the Tiki'ah is, uh, is, uh, is three seconds long, then each of the Shavarim should be one second long each. So this will be three, three, and three seconds. And similarly for the Tiki'ah, um, if each Tiki'ah is three seconds long, then the Tiru'ah, if you have nine Tiru'ah, so each one should be a third of a second. And so you get all nine in in the same time that would take, a, say, take to make one Tiki'ah. So they should be, in fact, of equal length. And the Tiru'ah is about, you have nine Tiru'ah, in the time it would take to say three shavarim, but at the same time it takes to say, say to make one tikiah. Okay, um, and uh, I think we will end with this. And uh, tomorrow we'll talk about the source for how we know that we even have to blow a shofar. Baruch Adonai Amen.